Listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a World Affairs Council conversation with authoritative voices discussing significant newsmaking issues and individuals. Sponsored by Greenberg Traurig, LLP. It's a real pleasure to welcome back to the World Affairs Council Dr. David Priest, who, following a distinguished career with the CIA and Department of State, has become a much sought-after expert on intelligence with special focus on how our presidents use the tools at their disposal, such as the President's Daily Brief. He's the author of The President's Book of Secrets, now available in paperback, a book I read when it first came out. Really enjoyed it. And as you pointed out in your book, David, each president has had a preference about how material was presented. President Obama, for instance, preferred an iPad. W preferred face-to-face meetings. So what do we know about Donald Trump's preference? Yeah, thanks, Jim, first of all, for having me back. It's a pleasure. We don't know as much as we'd like to, but that's probably a good thing because these are very sensitive, secret briefings, and we don't need to know every detail. But we did have, within the last couple of months, an unusual circumstance where the Director of National Intelligence, Dan Coats, and the Director of the Central Intelligence Agency, Mike Pompeo, went on the record with the Washington Post and talked a lot about what was going on in those briefings. They described the briefings as extremely active with a very engaged president who likes to interact with the briefer and with the others in the room, which include often both of them, Mm -hmm. as well as other senior government officials who pop in and out depending on the topic, and senior aides at the White House. They described it as a very, not a text-based discussion, as much as a discussion based on the words being exchanged orally, and graphics. One interesting thing they noted was that this president loves the pictures, the videos, the charts, the maps, what Mike Pompeo called killer graphics. I don't know if he had a double meaning there, but it seems as if there's an active engaged president on intelligence, which is something that a lot of observers did not expect after what they saw in the campaign. Because soon after the election, when the the president-elect can have the full briefings, he deferred. Yeah, briefly he deferred. And then he started a pattern where it appears that weekly, sometimes more often, he was getting those briefings. So there was some confusion at first. Would he start taking the briefings right away? Some presidents-elect have done that. The very day that they get elected, they say, the next day I want my CIA briefer here. Trump, my understanding was, may have taken a little bit longer to work it into his schedule, but, but he ended up doing it. And in that roughly 75 days between Election Day and Inauguration Day, he became a steady customer of the intelligence. And maybe that just got something into his head that this could be useful for me someday. So I don't know if I'm spreading fake news or not, but I read this morning that National Security Advisor McMaster was outlining options for Afghanistan, and one of these happened to be women in miniskirts in the 1970s. Any truth to that? I have seen the same report you did, and I did not look at the sourcing for it. But if you're trying to make a point to a man who does not want long articles, and he's made that very clear. He doesn't want page after page of text. He wants bullet points. He wants quick points. If you're trying to make the point to a person who processes information that way, Afghanistan need not be a Taliban-dominated place. Look at what it was like in the 1970s. Now, of course, they could have pulled out the same picture of Iran and blown the president's mind about what Iran was like under the Shah. If you're trying to get the president to pay attention to a certain analytic point, getting him interested by showing him an image, I'm all for that. As a former briefer, we would do that all the time. We would try to find the graphic or the map that would get their interest long enough for us to get that point in. Of course, we can also take it in the dark direction, which is the only thing that interests him was what was actually shown in that picture, which had nothing to do with the analysis. 
I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one, just because fact is he's still taking the briefing. Something's working. Well, this is very interesting because you're saying something that I feel is somewhat positive, that he is so engaged. So is this mending the rift to a degree that he has had with the intelligence community? Yeah, it's interesting to see the evolution. I took a step back to look at this for an article I wrote a few months ago to look at the evolution that we've missed when we focus on the day-to-day tweets and the headlines each day. And one of the things that was fascinating to me was there was nothing positive about the intelligence community early in the campaign. After he started getting the traditional briefings for presidential candidates, where they give some classified material, he actually made some compliments. And he's not a man prone to compliment others that he does not know well. He gave some compliments to his briefers. He gave some compliments to the intelligence community, saying there's a reason they call it intelligence. Now, he still had some snarks. He still had some negative commentary, especially about the Russian election intelligence And what happened on January 21st, the day after his inauguration, when he went to the CIA headquarters. and And made it a political event, which was historically unique. But the fact is, he kept taking the briefings, which not all presidents have done, and he tended to make more positive comments about the intelligence than negative as time went on, apart from the Russian election assessment itself. Now, to me, I look at that with a stand-back view, and I say, there are many presidents who have decided not to take in-person briefings. There are many presidents who have decided to read the intelligence and use it in a different way. Who? Oh, many of them. Most of them, in fact. Modern. You had Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, all chose not to take in-person briefings. So the Bushes were different. The Bushes were different. Gerald Ford did it for one year, where he took an in-person briefing, and then the two Bushes did it. Clinton and Obama mixed it up. Sometimes they took briefings, sometimes they didn't. But for Trump, who was more like Richard Nixon, probably than any other president in terms of his views of intelligence, for him to reject the Nixon model of ignoring the CIA briefings and never having a briefing of the president's daily brief in person, to instead go the other way and have frequent meetings on the PDB, uh, that's something a lot of people didn't expect and shows there's something there that's working for him. You know, when you look at this White House, it really appears to be a colander with all of the leaks. And yet we both know that sometimes leaks are strategic yeah. and sometimes mendacious. Mm-hmm. How do you evaluate what's happening now with this White House? Yeah, the, the, the two types of leaks are important to differentiate. If it's a leak about classified information, no kidding, top secret information that causes grievous damage to national security, uh, that's just wrong. And the people who leak that information trying to support their cause, whatever it is, they're only hurting their cause. The kind of leaks that the people like Scaramucci were railing about were not those leaks. It was somebody sending out word about whom the president was having dinner with. That is not sensitive national security information. So the panic about the leaks like that Those leaks have happened in every administration, and frankly, they always will. To conflate those with leaks of national security information, I thought was was unhelpful by some observers. Those we should not have. You should not have leaked information that puts our troops at risk, puts our diplomacy at risk, puts our intelligence collection at risk. Leaks about who the president is meeting with and policy deliberations that are happening, that's part of Washington, folks. Get used to it. But the penalties for leaking classified information are pretty arduous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's a criminal offense. There, there are statutes against it. And you've had the highest level of security clearance. And I want to get a sense from you about what you and, in fact, some of your colleagues feel about someone like Jared Kushner, who 30s never served in government, basically probably has top security clearance now. Mm-hmm. I've not spoken with currently serving officers about this. I'll give you my quick take, which is that the security clearance process for working level officers is on paper the same as the security clearance process for senior White House officials. 
but it ain't the same. The president governs that process. It is based on executive order and regulation, not based on statute. So if the president decides, I want this person to be my advisor, and they could not get a security clearance through the normal method, he can simply waive it and say, too bad, they're getting it. Because the president is the ultimate classification authority. He's also the ultimate declassification authority. He gets to decide how to apply security clearances, not the Congress. That means Jared Kushner, he can have a security clearance or not. The president can give him whatever he wants. So the president can be criticized for mm -hmm. releasing information that's been classified, yep. but he hasn't done anything wrong. That's right. I think at this point it's a political issue. If the people of the United States were to decide that that's not acceptable, well, then they don't reelect him. If the Congress were to decide, well, that's not acceptable, they could impeach and remove him. But in terms of whether it is illegal, actually, no, the president does govern that security clearance process. I want to thank you for being with us again. Again, David Priest, the author of The President's Book of Secrets, now available in paperback. And as I mentioned, I've read it, really enjoyed it, very topical. And you're often a commentator on television, too. Are right. you on, usually on one station channel? Uh, or? I've, I've spent time on all three networks, the big ones, Fox, CNN, MSNBC. The, the latter two I've been on more often. Well, always insightful. Now Thanks, that the Joe. World Affairs Council's fall calendar is heating up, Global IQ Minute will begin a Tuesday and Friday release schedule. Look out for some of our upcoming conversations on Afghanistan, Venezuela, and U.S. energy policy. And if you enjoy our podcast, please do share it on your favorite social media. I'm Jim Falk. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Global IQ Minute with Jim Falk, a production of the World Affairs Council of Dallas-Fort Worth. Subscribe and rate Global IQ Minute on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app. For information about a World Affairs Council in your community, visit worldaffairscouncils.org. Global IQ Minute is sponsored by Greenberg Traurig LLP, a global firm with 2,000 attorneys in 38 offices across the globe. Visit the firm at gtlaw.com. <laughs>